You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back into another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Now joining me for this episode is Darian, the mouth of the South Gray, host of the Point Blank Period Podcast. What's going on, Darian? What's going on? What's going on? Thank you for having me on. You know, you did me the honor of joining my podcast just a week ago. I thought a boomerang, throw it right back to you and join the Straight Up Podcast. Absolutely. So it was an interesting weekend for the Saints on for many uh, different reasons. They had the Jadavion Clowney saga going on. They had to make their final roster cuts, as did every other team in the NFL. And they also had to figure out their practice squad, which had a lot of fans like myself nervous because there were some players who I'd like to see on the 53-man roster that were cut. And we'll talk about those guys uh, in just a little bit. But looking at the 53-man roster as a whole, was there any surprise cuts? Were there any surprise additions and guys that stuck on the 53-man roster for you? What's your overall stance on how this group looks going into week one? There was definitely some surprise cuts, but I'm going to start off with my surprise additions. And that's Blake Gilligan. Uh, you you have to discuss them. I would say that Gilligan making the team was probably as eyebrow-raising, if not more, than any of the other cuts. When the news broke on him making the team, I don't want to speak for people, but I know for sure I was confused. I thought, what what does this mean for, for Morstead? Is this strictly a COVID security plan? Is a possible retirement on the horizon? I don't know. So all I know is that the Saints knew what he was about. Excuse me. The, the Saints knew he was about to leave if they cut him. He played pretty well in, in camp, and there was a chance that somebody else would pick him up. But for a team who is all in on this year, Possibly going into the last year of their Super Bowl window, it was an interesting time, to say the least, to spend two roster spots on punters. And there's something important about this guy, and time will reveal. Now, as far as your cuts, that surprised me. I have to go with Tommy Stevens. Right? After trading draft capital to steal him away from the Panthers, I thought for sure he would make the team. And it seems, I don't want to call it a bit of a waste because it was a late-round draft pick, and I seen the other day the Saints have only eight players, the fewest in the NFL between the rosters of four and seven on their team, round four and seven, that is. So it's, we might not have used that at all, but still it's just interesting. I thought he was going to make the team. It seemed like he was transitioning the tight end at least decently. So that was a bit of a surprise along with Benny, Benny Fowler not making the team. When Drew Brees brings you on the squad, you, you think that, okay, that guy's going to make it. It's Drew. Drew brought you here. He's the reason you're on the team. I thought he'd be the reason he made the 53 as well. Yeah, look, all, all great points that you brought up. And the funny thing was a couple of those guys, Benny Fowler and Tommy Stevens in particular, are two you know players where uh, I was high on in camp. Now, Tommy Stevens, for me, always seemed like the, you know, doesn't technically get put to the practice squad, but you almost fake an injury and put him on IR to stash him for a year because he needs to develop. Uh, and honestly, you know, there's a, when I, at first, when he got waived, I was like, hey, he might get picked up by the Panthers or someone else because they were interested in him as an undrafted rookie uh, until the Saints got back into the seventh round and took him, so I thought maybe he'd go there. Uh, so for the Saints to keep him on the practice squad, at least there is some silver lining. Uh, the Gilligan one's interesting, and I agree with you. I think there's some 
can it be a COVID reason and say, hey, look, if Morstead gets it, we don't have a punter for two, three weeks. That could be an issue. It could be. But I think the Saints actually see a lot in him. Uh, every week in training camp, I felt like one of the beat reporters out there was saying, hey, Gilligan just boomed a couple of punts here and there. Uh, I think the Saints might say, look, we've had Morstead for over a decade. We might have our next punter for over a decade, and you really don't want to lose him because if we cut him, someone else might pick him up. So maybe that's the reasoning there. Uh, and Benny Fowler, I agree. I have thought he was a shoo-in to be one of the receivers. I guess this really is a testament to Marcus uh, uh, Callaway and what he was able to do because a lot of people said he looked great on special teams. He even looked great on occasional deep balls. And this was a player in college at Tennessee who I would watch on, on a weekly basis and say, if he had a better quarterback, we might be talking about him being a mid-round to late-round pick in this previous draft, but he didn't have a good quarterback, and the wide receiver group was loaded. So it was definitely interesting. One more guy I'll throw in there for surprise cuts for me. It was Mario Edwards, and I thought when Mario Edwards got cut, this was the tail sign that Clowney was coming to the Saints. I said, hey, he saves about $2.5 million in cap space. You know what you're getting in Edwards, but you know what? If you could have Clowney, you'd obviously opt for him instead. They cut Edwards. He quickly goes to Chicago, which is a nice fit for him, uh, which is frustrating. But at the same time, the Saints' D-line is really, really deep. So I'm going to be interested to see how that plays out. But overall, the rest of the roster shook out the way it was. I think one more surprise name I'd throw in there, Chase Hansen, uh, a Utah linebacker that not a lot of people know of. I really think this is a special teams guy anyway, but for him to make the roster is definitely interesting. Now, Darian, I want to switch it over to the practice squad. They've got a, a lot of exciting names. Little Jordan Humphrey, Jawan Johnson. Uh, they still have Tommy Stevens. They have Tony Jones. They have uh, Joe Bocci. They have Andrew Dowell. Benny Fowler was able to stick on the practice squad. Is there a name out there that you're saying, uh, you know what, I'm watching him. Maybe he can make an impact later in the season if the Saints call him up. Who's that guy for you? That guy has to be Keith Washington for me. The depth at the outside corner position is something I've discussed for a long time. You know, I remember earlier in the in the offseason, um, I want to say around maybe a month after the, the, the draft, a lot was made about how the Saints need to add an edge rusher or is it an outside corner? Which one is more important? And I always said it was an outside corner because like you said earlier, they cut Mario Edwards. And I think a big part of that in addition to Clowney, was the fact that even if they didn't get Clowney, they were still happy with the depth that they had behind Davenport. But we'll get to that later. I know we're going to be talking about Clowney. So with Keith Washington, the, the depth at the outside corner is shallow as a kiddie pool. I've said it multiple times. And you have Jenkins, Janoris is, <laughs> and you have Lattimore. That is a good duo. But if one of them were to go down, I'm scared. They asked Patrick Robinson if he felt more comfortable playing outside or inside. He told me it depends who's on the other side. And that didn't make me any more comfortable. Uh, Patrick Robinson is, a, is, Robinson is a guy who I say needs to be on the inside. And if he shows that he still can't play outside, there's nobody behind Jenkins or Lattimore other than Justin Hardy, who's a, a special teams guy. So – I would, I would have liked to see Keith Washington make the team, honestly. So that's my guy of everybody. And there's some talented guys on here. Little Jordan Humphrey, I think he had a chance of maybe making the team. Uh, Benny Fowler, we both said how we thought he was going to make the team. Uh, Throckmorton, excuse me, Throckmorton, he's a talented lineman too. Maybe, you know, the, the, the offensive line for the Saints is incredible. So it was going to be difficult for him to make the team. But So there's some good guys on here, don't get me wrong. Joe Bocci. He's a guy who I like out of Michigan State. But Keith Washington is the guy that I'm looking out for. 
simply because the position that he plays is extremely thin. So I, that's who I'm looking to see. Maybe he might make a come up and come to the active roster at some point in the season. Yeah, look, I think that's the best bet as well. And he ended up finishing training camp with like six interceptions or so, and he was coming on strong at the end. And you you brought up great points, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about that Patrick Robinson thing. It's like, look, I understand why Robinson's on the roster. He's a really good vet, and I won't take away anything from him when it comes to playing in, in the slot. I think he's still a reliable corner at that spot, but there are concerns. Like, look, Lattimore could go down, or Janoris could go down, and if they do... That doesn't just change the season for, let's just say it's one game and they're out. That really could change the whole game. Go back to the Atlanta game in the Dome last season. Marshawn Lattimore's doing a great job on Julio. Then Lattimore gets injured and everything just, you know, for lack of a better word, goes to shit because the secondary is not capable if Lattimore or Janoris goes down of holding their own on the outside. It's tough. PJ's an inside guy. You know, could continue, Darian. I'll add this to you. You mentioned the Atlanta game. In the um, the playoff game, you look at it, that last, the big throw, I always say, Kirk Cousins did not play great against yeah. the Saints, but he did have a great throw to Adam Thielen when Lattimore had got hurt. Yes, Thielen was beating Lattimore in that game, but Lattimore went out with an injury, and Thielen, and they targeted Patrick Robinson immediately in overtime, and that's how they got so close to the goal line, beating Patrick Robinson playing on the outside. So it's it, it's scary. It's scary to see him there. I would feel much more comfortable if he was in the in the inside. But yeah, go ahead. And, and no, and that's a great point. And the other thing is too. Look at the division they play in. They play in a division where one week you're going up against Julio and Calvin Ridley. The next week you're going up against Godwin and Mike Evans. The following one you're going up against DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. They're gonna face a lot of good receivers on the outside if they don't have both guys healthy. Which obviously we don't know how that's gonna play out. But you assume in a football season. Guys are going to get banged up. It happens. It really is tough for me. Look, this is a Super Bowl roster. I'm not taking anything away from that. There's just, if there's one weakness, and, and a lot of people have said it, uh, and I know you've been banging on that drum and you are right to do so, it is that outside cornerback depth. There are some concerns there. You hope maybe in, let's say, a month or two from now, if the Saints need to bring Keith Washington up, he has another two months to learn the playbook, kind of ramp up uh, and make up for that lost time that rookies didn't get in OTAs. Maybe he's ready to make an impact, and that would help the Saints a whole awful lot. Um, But I want to shift gears here on the Straight Up Saints podcast and talk about a guy who has basically owned the weekend. And and we could say owned the last week or two, owned the last month, or or just let's say owned September because we're only seven days in so far. It's Jadavion Clowney. And on Thursday, there was almost a mood shift. It was like, hey, look, the Saints might get him. I spoke to Nader. Nader said his sources were saying it was going to happen. Look, Saints Twitter's a mess right now. I don't want to get into that stuff, but let's talk about just Jadavion Clowney here. He ends up signing with the Titans, and the Saints were trying to make it work. They were trying to make it work so bad that they were willing to have Team X that it was labeled, which is really apparently the Cleveland Browns, sign Clowney, give him a $5 million signing bonus, and then trade him to the Saints for a second-round pick, and the Saints are basically giving him a one-year $10 million deal so he'd get the $15 million, which he ends up getting from Tennessee. The NFL basically says that can't happen. This starts a whole feud, but just going through this whole weekend that we dealt with with Clowney and all the twists and turns, what's your take on what just happened, and also how do you feel about him? Uh, I want to say spurning the Saints and just going for the, the Titans, but how do you feel about him not coming to New Orleans in terms of a comfort level with this defensive line? You know, so here's the thing, is that Clowney was announced to go to the Titans, that he was going to sign with the Titans. He said, I didn't announce that. And then late in the night, he announced he was going to the Titans. What that tells me is that 
the money was important to him. He was able to get more money, and the Saints had to do this sign and trade because they knew they didn't have all the, the, the proper funds to get him. So with that being said, he was waiting to see if there was any way the Saints could get him, in my opinion. I don't know Jadavion Clowney. I don't, nobody, I don't know anybody in this camp. But that tells me that he was waiting to see if the Saints could pull something off. So I think he wanted to come here, but not enough to take the, the, the pay cut. But I want to ask you a question before I get all the way into how I feel about it. They said that we're going to trade away a second-round pick and I think a player, right? If so, who, did you, who do you think that player might have been? I'm going to be honest with you. I think it might have been ended up being Rankins because I'm just trying to read the tea leaves here. Remember, uh, Albert Breer had a, a tweet about, hey, Sheldon Rankins is not necessarily on the trading block, but there have been trade talks surrounding Sheldon Rankins. Now, I don't know if I would have felt comfortable with giving up Rankins and a second round pick for Clowney, but I think it also goes to show how much the Saints wanted the guy in the building. But I think that might be the guy because Rankins, if you're not going to re-sign him this year, you're basically unloading $7 million in terms of cap space by just getting rid of him. Then it's one less you know, question mark in the offseason in terms of who do we resign. So I'd probably go Rankins. I think that's who they would pick. That's not who I would pick, but I think if I'm reading all the reports that were out and I'm trying to connect all the dots, I think that's who it would be. That, that might be who it is. I would have had a difficult time guessing about who that guy could have been. It's just going through all the teams. In the, maybe if the team wasn't giving away a second-round pick as well, I'd be a little bit more comfortable saying who it's going to be. But getting into the clowny deal in general, honestly, I was not too big on getting clowny. Like I alluded to earlier, I didn't see Ed's rusher as much of a need. So when I say I wasn't big on getting clowny, I know that we were interested, and I know all the reports were swirling, but I didn't get too excited. Not because I felt like we just couldn't get him we weren't going to get him or not because I felt like he wasn't a good player because I do. I think, I think he actually is a good player. Slightly underrated because people focus on his sack total so much. But I just don't feel like we needed him. I think he would have been a good addition to an already good defensive line. I mean, could you imagine the pass rush set of Clowney, Davenport, Rankin, and Jordan? I mean, roll that out on a third and 16 for an offense. And that, that, that's not something that the offensive line wants to see. So, but I wasn't too excited because I think we didn't need him. Earlier in the offseason, like I said, everybody said, let's get, a, let's get an edge rusher, let's get an edge rusher. But I think people are missing out on how good Davenport is. I know that we traded away at first to get him. I know that. So I know there was lofty expectations, and I know people have been hypercritical because of it. But his biggest problem is just staying healthy. That's it. I think this guy is dynamic. He gets to the quarterback. I can quite easily see him getting double-digit sacks this year. And last year he had six sacks. Three of those sacks were strip sacks. What that means is half of the time that he gets to the quarterback, he also gets the ball out. So that just tells me that he's an athletic freak. We know that. I don't think there's any question. Even the biggest Davenport, I don't want to call a person a hater, even the person who's the most critical of Davenport and the trade that we use to get him can fail. It, it, it would be hard for them not to admit that he is an athletic freak. He play, he gets to the quarterback well. I think he's playing the run better. So, And he's showcasing his ability to force turnovers. These are all impressive things. So if he can get after the quarterback, stop the run, force some turnovers, yeah, I know we didn't get Clowney. I know he's a huge name. 
But, man, we have a player in Davenport on the other side of Cam Jordan. And not to mention that we have T-Rex Hendrickson and we have Carl Grandison backing him up. And that could be a formidable trio. So, though we didn't get – I would advise the Saints fans, take a breath if you felt like we just absolutely needed him. Take a step back. Grandison's gotten bigger. He's gotten stronger. I think he'll still be explosive. Hendrickson, we know what we get out of him. And I expect Davenport to have a breakout season. He needs to have a breakout season, not just for the ability to tell fans, yeah, I deserve to be here, but also to increase the, the pass rush for the Saints and maybe get them closer to the eventual goal of a ring. Yeah, look, I am one of those people who constantly says, you know, if you don't like Marcus Davenport, your only reasoning better be, I don't like that he's not that durable. And that's the only thing and only knock that people could have on him. Because if you watch him, he's someone who, if you, if you pay attention to all the things the draft analyst said when the Saints took him, it was, he's going to learn on the fly. He's raw, but he's got all the talent in the world. So basically, even last year, you saw he was starting to develop. Let's say he plays those final three games. He plays a full 16-game season. He might finish the year with seven sacks. And that's a pretty good second year in the league. And now you're thinking, what's that jump he's going to make again with another year to learn, another year of developing uh, in that system with Ryan Nielsen as the defensive line coach, and you have um, Dennis Allen coaching him up there on that side of the ball. And Davenport's explosive. I would go as far as to say if you told me he would play all 16-game seasons, I would never even entertain the idea of getting clowny because it would take away snaps from Davenport. Like, that's how much, you know, I expect him to take that next step this season but there is that worry that, hey, what if he does get hurt again? Foot injuries are, um, they're pretty scary in terms of a big guy like him. Can he re-injure his foot? It's definitely possible. I always viewed Clowney as a luxury, which I would totally accept. Um, but no, it's not this guy who's falling. This is still one of the best rosters in the league. And at least for week one, you will have Davenport and Cam Jordan out there on the field uh, going after Brady from the edges. And I think that's going to be very important. Um, so yeah, I'm with you 100%. This is one of those players where there should not be any criticism of him. The only you know thing you can get frustrated over are the injuries, but he brings it all the time. He is by far, in my opinion, their most explosive defensive player. Just from a raw standpoint that you know he's got the power, he's got the length, he's also got the speed, um, and he's going to continue to get better. And I, believe, I agree with you. I think if he does stay healthy, I think he has a double-digit sack season. I think he's that good. Um, and that talented. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, now, before I get into my final thing that I want to talk about you with is the Bucks saints game next Sunday, which we'll talk about in just a brief moment. I got to ask you about our guy, Alvin Kamara. So we thought a deal would get done. <laughs> and it didn't happen yet. And who knows? It might happen this week. We really don't know. Um, but where do you stand on the Alvin Kamara contract talks right now at this moment? Yeah, we both thought it was going to get done yesterday. So... We're a day late, but I'm okay being a day late as long as it gets done, period. So where I stand on Alvin Kamara is, man, this is a guy who I think is explosive, extremely dynamic, and extremely important to your offense. Is he Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey level important? Emphasis on the importance. Is he that level of importance to your offense? I, I guess not because you still have Michael Thomas. So he, he's not the heartbeat of your offense. But I think he is an extremely talented player who some people might not realize is so talented because Peyton's not making him the workhorse. And then he got hurt last year after having a little bit more carry. So people who thought that little backs can't be durable or, or you know, receiving backs can't be durable, 
they they got their wish or they were proved correct. But I think that was just an, an, a freak injury. I don't think this is a he can't take it. So I'm, I'm paying the guy. I'm paying the guy. And the last report I've seen from him is they're between 13 and 14 million. I said that 14 was kind of my cap. That's why I stopped. And I think that 13 is probably a happy medium. That would give him more than Derrick Henry, who also is the heartbeat of his offense. That would give him more than Joe Mixon. So 13, 13 and a half, max of 14. I'm cool with all of those numbers. I'm cool with anything in the 13 to 14 range. So I just want the deal to get done before the season. So I'm not going through week eight thinking about, man, I hope we keep Kamara next year. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how I hope. That's the thing. If it doesn't get done, then, you know, every time he has a big play, he's basically boosting his stock because he could hit the open market. Every time that he plays well, we're going to say, hey, is he going to be around next season? So there is that cloud that looms over everyone's heads if it doesn't get done um, by Sunday. But I agree with you. I think that $13, $14 million range, I've, I've never been someone to say, hey, pay the running backs, but I am able to adapt to when the NFL changes and the NFL has changed to the point where there are a couple of running backs just from a unique standpoint that you can live with paying them and I think McCaffrey obviously is one of those guys I think when Saquon Barkley is able to go for a new contract he's going to be one of those guys that you pay I think Kamara falls in that group where look he makes such a difference he's always catching at least you know every year he's caught 81 passes which is just insane so you know what you're getting from him on a receiving standpoint then we know what the ads from a rushing standpoint he's so unique and I think the Saints have done a good job of not, you know, just burying the guy with a heavy workload. I think people complain that he doesn't get the ball enough sometimes, but I think the Saints do a good job of pacing him. So he's not a player where if they pay him, I think, you know, the wheels just fall off and he doesn't do well. So I think you can live with paying him, and I agree. I hope it does get done before the season, just so we don't have to worry about it every single time we see Kamara making a big play. Now, the final thing I want to talk about with you, Darian, is the Bucks saints game coming up this Sunday. Now, there's still six days away. We don't know what the injury reports are going to look like, who's in, who's out, what the Bucks are even going to look like because we haven't had any preseason. We we don't know what a Tom Brady-led Buccaneers team is going to look like until it finally happens on Sunday. Uh, but what's a couple? What's one or two matchups that you're looking forward to watching? And you know, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What's also going to be your prediction for that game? Okay, the the matchup that I'm looking forward to. The I don't know if I want to say the most or the least, but is the Buccaneers' offense against the lack of a crowd. I think the Saints are the better team. I think that the Bucks are going to need some time to gel, but a rocking Superdome would have made it even more difficult for them to gel. But there's nobody there now. There's no. There's not as much crowd noise. We know about the Superdome. We know what they can provide as far as noise. So that would have been making the, the job of gelling on the on the fly even more difficult for the Bucks. So I'm not exactly looking forward to that, but I am looking forward to seeing if it affects the Bucks in a in a, in a positive way. I'm hoping not, but hey. And then the other thing I want to look forward to is Chris Godwin versus Janoris Jenkins because a lot has been made about Chris Godwin over the year. He had a phenomenal season last year. And Janoris Jenkins is coming back, and I expect him to solidify that second corner spot in a way that we have not seen in the Saints uniform in a long time. So I expect him to do that. And then if there's one that maybe is not so much looking forward to from a critical standpoint and more so looking forward to from a fan standpoint, it's probably Cam Jordan versus Tristan Wirtz. I hope he baptizes the rookie. 
put him in fire. I, I think that the guy is – this is his first real action. He didn't play any preseason games. This is his real NFL action. So I say, hey, Cam, you're one of the best, if not the best, 4-3 defensive end in the league. Go after the rookie, take care of him, and welcome him to the NFL the right way. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And look, Cam Jordan is one of the, I think we all agree on this, is one of the best defensive ends in, in all football. When they made the pick and they got worse, I'm pretty sure he was cracking jokes about, oh, I wonder why Tampa Bay needs to add more offensive linemen. Basically, you know, giving himself props for being such a dynamic player against that Tampa Bay line. And I think even on the other side with Smith versus Davenport, that actually might be a matchup where Last year, I think Davenport got the better of him, and I think he can do it again because he really is that explosive. Uh, I also want to see the interior because there's one thing Brady cannot do without, and that's with, and this is the same thing for Breeze, obviously. When you really break down the interior of the pocket, they're basically done because they're not athletic enough to get out, especially Tom Brady. And if you break that down, and guys like Rankins and Anya Mata and Malcolm Brown can make some noise up the middle, that is going to cause an issue for Tom Brady. And look, you're never going to contain and stop Uh, and lock down a duo like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. You're just hoping to limit the amount of damage they do. But one way of limiting that damage, obviously, is getting pressure on Tom Brady. So I agree uh, with the matchup. Now, I'm going to wait to give my prediction till the end of the week, obviously, uh, for people listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What what is going to be your prediction for the season opener for the New Orleans Saints? Okay, like I said, the the Bucs don't have to go against that rocking Superdome. So it's going to be a little bit less pressure on them. but. The, the, the Bucks offense added a lot of weapons. You have to credit it. Um, we're not here to be super Saints fans and just act like nobody is of any kind of threat to the Saints at any point. We're here to be honest and be critical. But let's be real. The Bucks offense, for as much as they have added, if we're going for at least starters and we're going for quality, the Saints have better players position by position, maybe six to five, seven to four, with, with six Saints players being better at their position and then on defense the Saints have top five potential while the the Buccaneers have to show me that that young back end can continue their success to end the season so while the Saints aren't the best team when it comes to starting the season we know about their woes I'm hoping that that game versus the Texans is the beginning of a new streak let's see a streak where the Saints start dominating can I get five years in a row of the Saints winning their first game that would be amazing because I was tired of starting 0-1. And I think that this year continues the streak. And you see the Saints pull it off in the Dome. They might have just a little too much for the Buccaneers who are fresh. They've never played together. I don't care how much you practice. You cannot establish the same amount of chemistry as being in a game. So I believe that it's going to be a close game. I think a one-score game, and if it's two scores at the end of the game, that just means that, that the Saints scored at the end. To, to, to put it up. But I think that overall it'll be a close one-score game throughout most of the 60 minutes. Look, I, I agree. And I think what I think us Saints fans are very accustomed now to one-score games. I mean, if it goes to two-score, you know, we're, we're you know chilling back, feet up on the couch. We don't care. Um, but with the way that Saints big games have gone over the last couple of years, I am fully expecting a one-score game as well. And I, I love that you brought up the Saints offense because a lot of talk has been made about the Bucks, and rightfully so. I get it. They added Brady. It's exciting. They added Fournette. They have LaShawn McCoy. We already know what they have receiver. They traded for Gronk. 
But, like, look at that Saints offense. I mean, you have Michael Thomas. You have Kamar. You have Jared Cook. They added Emmanuel Sanders. You have a weapon who can do basically everything in Taysom Hill. You have Latavius Murray. There are weapons there, and the Saints definitely deserve their respect as well. Now, Darian, before I let you go, please tell my followers and listeners where they can find your podcast, where they can find you on social media, and how they can do it. You can find me on social media at underscore Mouth of the South on Instagram. On Twitter, it will be at South Exclusive. And I'm still trying to get that person to think I underscore Mouth of the South is a guy who, or Mouth of the South is somebody, he doesn't even use Twitter. But come on now, Twitter. Can y'all remove that? I need to be Mouth of the South. I don't want to be South exclusive on one thing and Mouth of the South on the other. But that's a, that's a conversation for Twitter and not the fans. And then on uh, the, the podcast, you can find me at Point Blank Period, wherever you want to find podcasts. Go on Spotify, go on Apple Podcasts, and you will find me. You'll see the Saints logo, the Falcons logo, the Panthers logo, and the Bucks logo as I do cover all four teams in my podcast. Great stuff, Darren. I appreciate you taking the time on this Labor Day to come on the podcast, talk about Saints football, and I definitely love that prediction that you made for week one. Hopefully that ends up coming true, but I appreciate you coming on, and I hope you take care. And for my listeners, make sure you stay tuned for an episode later this week. Going to have a Bucks beat reporter on to give their take so you're not just getting overloaded with Saints content and getting super hyped for Sunday. I want to make it fair and have some Bucks content on here as well. Um, but thank you guys for listening. You too enjoy your Labor day and the rest of your week and we'll be back with another straight up saints podcast on wednesday